that caught me when I was in the middle of the forest and it really shocked me. I heard about it in the morning and I was like, what? That cannot happen. So yeah, this leg between Grenoble and Avignon then turned out to be half walking, half car because I kept getting picked up by people with the car. Uh, <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> we cannot live without our soul, you know. I think there's just no other way that the performing arts and the arts, they just have to come back in some way or another because we need it. Welcome to the Theatre Art Live podcast, and hello, we're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Aguilera. This episode is our third update of Step for Circus with Liam Clank. Step for Circus is an initiative to bring circus professionals back to what they do best. We will be following him, or we have been following him, through this experience uh, where he has been hiking from Switzerland all the way to whatever we it takes us to go back to work. Hello, welcome back. Hello, <laughs> nice to be here again. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, currently, just arrived in Montpellier in, in the south of France, and still stepping for circus. <laughs> yeah, um, it's been uh, almost two months now since I've been on the on the trails and. Uh, about 500 kilometers so far. Yeah, I can tell you a little bit about uh, the last time we talked was Geneva. Right, yeah. And since then, I've done uh, two more legs of the journey. So uh, first was getting from Geneva to Grenoble, which was quite an exhausting feat, I have to admit, because I got a bit surprised when I was um, hiking through Switzerland it was a bit hard in the Swiss Jura region because there's not much water up in the mountains, but it was always manageable because Switzerland is quite small and I didn't really think of that. And there is almost every hour or so you pass a little settlement or a little mountain hut or a restaurant. And also the Swiss farmers, they're quite smart to make additional money almost each and every one of them has a little cafe in, or a little fridge where they sell cold water or something. So when you hike through the Swiss mountains, actually, it's really easy to always find provisions. And then when I got in after Geneva, when I got into the mountains towards Grenoble, I was very surprised because I totally forgot that normally in Europe, the geographical distances are a bit bigger. And uh, then all of a sudden I found myself in the forest sometimes two days without seeing or finding anything. And then that became a bit of a problem. So that was, uh, yeah, that was quite an interesting almost 10 days of walking to Grenoble. And several times there I got stuck and was really worried that I wouldn't find water. But then I somehow managed or one time I... I just, uh, I got so frustrated. I left the hiking trail and then just crashed straight through the forest to the next road and then hitchhiked to the next restaurant. Because <laughs> I really, really, really needed, <laughs> needed water. But yeah, that was, France kind of surprised me in that way. And on the way uh, 
to Grenoble, I was also writing on my articles for Theater Art Live and in contact still with people. And it was a bit hard also because there was far less wireless connection than I had had before. So I guess everything got a bit wilder once I reached France. And uh, everything got so wild that we even had this bad news of Lorev closing, right? That was about those days. And um, you wrote an article about it. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that caught me when I was in the middle of the forest, and it really shocked me. I heard about it in the morning, and I was like, "What? That cannot happen!" Because I mean, for me, Lorev is really one of the, I mean, really top five highlights of of shows in the world, and and it's really like when it comes to aquatic shows, it's it's just such a wonderful show that that has been there forever and and very successful and amazing artistic vision so i just couldn't believe it really and then i was contacted by anna rob and she asked me if i could write an article about it and i did so i i ran through the forest pretty much all day long finding wireless spots that were working and and just tried to to find people who were willing to talk with me about how they feel and and share information or or give me a comment on how they feel about the closing. And I also, while I was in the forest, I researched, I mean, I already knew a lot about Lorev, but I researched a bit more and then and then just wrote that article in the forest and sent it off. And it was really quite heartbreaking, actually. But I wanted to write a real tribute. And for me, it was really, it was sort of a, a thing coming straight from the heart because I wanted to write something for the artists and for the creators and the, all the technicians, everybody who's ever worked for and was working at that moment for Lerev so that they had, you know, this written testament saying, hey, this was amazing. You guys were just absolutely fantastic and we appreciate and respect you. And uh, yeah, that article then was published the next day and I'm really glad I managed to get it out there. Yeah, I bet it was hard physically on you and then hard news to process. I mean, I like a good challenge, you know, work-wise. So I was sort of like, I was like, I'm going to do this. I don't, it doesn't matter what it takes, you know, I'm going to get this article out in time for the deadline. So I was just committed to getting that done. I've, I just, it was just very heartbreaking because you know, Le Rêve is one more of those things where I just couldn't, ne would never in the world have imagined that this show would close. It was just like, what? Oh my God, you know, this, this is like, yeah, it's impossible, you know, how is that even possible that that happens? Just one more of those blows, you know, for us in the entertainment industry, where it's sort of one more thing closes down that you've never thought possible. Yeah, that, that was a start day for, for many of us. Yeah. And then you kept going. You went um, almost all the way to Avignon. Yeah, I stopped for one night in Grenoble and then I went um, to Avignon and there I got uh, picked up by old friends of mine who uh, she used to be the artistic director at House of Dancing Water, uh, Maggie Sietzma. And it was lovely. I spent a few days with her and her husband in a small village in the south of France and and then also uh, did use the time and did an interview with her and soon I'll, I'll two articles will come out about that as well very interesting like looking into her 
career and into her life story. And uh, it was just very good to connect to people, you know, like old work colleagues and friends from the entertainment industry to sort of remember who I am. And, and, and I missed it so much, you know, and even though I meet a lot of people on the trail, I usually don't meet people who work in theater. And it was so lovely to talk with people again, who have the same interests, the same background, the same history and, and uh, just kind of, yeah, it made me feel quite alive. And then I also met up with, with a former acrobat from House of Dancing Water who had also worked for Le Rêve, and we were able to talk about Le Rêve and also about shows a bit more in details. And it was lovely after nine years to catch up, catch up with each other again as well, you know. That is a long time. Yeah, that is a very long time. <laughs> yeah, so that was great. And then uh, after Avignon, I, I then actually then again, I got picked up by people who, uh, a couple who used to work in the uh, aquatics department in House of Dancing Water in Macau. And they were also, because they lost their job recently in Macau, they were traveling by car through France and then happened to come exactly through where I was. So they picked me up. So yeah, this leg between Grenoble and Avignon then turned out to be half walking, half car, because I kept getting picked up by people with the car. Uh, <laughs> Lucky. And then, yeah, that was really lovely, actually. And then they picked me up and then we spent uh, three days hiking through the Camargue together. And then after I made my way to uh, Montpellier, yeah, where immediately I was lucky again to bump into Milena, a former dancer at House of Dancing Water. And uh, we had a lovely day in Montpellier and reminisced. And, and, and it was wonderful also because we gave each other hope. You know, like we, I think we gave each other a lot of energy because we, we sort of refreshed our memory again of how much we love working backstage and how much we long to get back there. And it was also really nice to see that all those people were sort of trying to stay active, doing little projects. One friend was doing an online book launch and, and the other friend was thinking of, of getting into a different career or at least an additional career working as a paramedic. And, and then the other person I had met, he was starting to rehearse again for a show he's, currently still under contract for. So it just seemed like something is moving, even though we don't see it yet. And things don't actually physically have opened up yet. But like it seemed like it, something is moving in a good direction. I feel like the ocean gave you a good breeze now that you're closer. <laughs> yeah, that was wonderful seeing that, actually. I was doing a little happy dance, <laughs> looking very silly, but it was really wonderful. <laughs> Do you send the fishes my love and all my heart? I did. Oh. I, I told every single fish. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I miss them. <laughs> and so how, how's Montpellier? Yeah, Montpellier is nice. I've been here two days now and um, I've never been here before. It actually blew me away. It's beautiful. Just uh, really, it seems like nothing has been really destroyed in the war here and 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 everything is just like very historical buildings. Every street is really nice and and a wonderful international mix of people and something I haven't seen in a long time since the COVID-19 crisis started, street musicians. Nice. 
oh my god that was amazing you know in street performers and i'm like oh wow yay you know that's it's so lovely to see that again and then uh, yeah and then i got a bit crazy and um because a friend of mine had mentioned that she had thought of doing a french course here and uh then i all of a sudden thought ooh french course <laughs> and uh very, very spontaneously signed up for a one-month intensive French course at the Alliance Française. So I'm going to exchange smoking feet for smoking brain for one month. And I just really also hope, because I speak French, but it's really horrible. And I hope that it'll get good enough so that it'll also eventually in the future give me better chances to to get hired by theater or circus companies that operate mainly in French. And uh, yeah, so my school is starting on Monday and I'll be in Montpellier until the 26th of September. And then I'll continue hiking towards the Pyrenees and Spain. So now you'll be able to get bread and water and not just water. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or cheese. Cheese is important. <laughs> Yes, well, I can order beer as well, which is, <laughs> comes in very handy. But uh, yeah, no, I really hope that uh, I, I I studied French many, many years ago in school, but I used it so little that it's just all dormant. And I hope that a lot of that passive knowledge will come back into active knowledge. And yeah, that I won't sound quite so horrible when I talk French. <laughs> so tell us, how is... um. I mean, no wonder you want to stay in Montpellier. There's there's musicians, there's things going on, there's the ocean, you have mountains, there's people from all over the place. Uh, that, that sounds wonderful. But how's, how's the COVID thing going and how are they adapting this idea of having street musicians, street performers? And um, I think we, we briefly spoke about um, France opening some of their events or uh, venues for shows in the next maybe days or weeks, the news came out yesterday. But uh, how do you see all that happening? What I see, what really impressed me a lot is um, that everybody's very disciplined so far that I've seen. Like people are very careful. And I mean, on my way towards here as well, also in the Kamarik where there's lots of little seaside towns with lots of tourists, I was really surprised how much they followed the distancing rules. Everybody on the street is wearing face masks as well. Everybody is, as soon as they approach you, like let's say if somebody doesn't wear a mask and they walk towards you on the sidewalk and there's more than one person, they walk towards, they immediately pull out their face mask and put it on. So I feel, I mean, from what I see, I feel that it's probably a good environment in which to try and 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 slowly loosen things up a little bit, you know, and because people are really listening and they they seem to be really aware. I must say I'm also really surprised in comparison of what I saw when I was hiking to, to through Switzerland and I've lived in Switzerland for a long time and I I mean it's always bad to generalize of course, but uh, I mean just like roughly from living there many years I know Swiss people to be quite disciplined. And and I was really curious, it was curious to see that there in Switzerland, the rules were interpreted differently in every single place I went through. 
Some places they wore masks, some places not. Some places they were really careful with sanitizing, some places not. Some places there was distancing, some places not. So it was really weird. But here it's very unified. And the police is patrolling as well. And they actually call you out. Like I got called out once. Um, I, was, I was doing a quick leg with a bus. And then I was the only one sitting in that part of the bus. And the, the next person was like four rows in front of me. But then in the next bus stop, the police got on. And they looked at me and they were like, oh, you have to put your mask on. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know? And I was really surprised. So it's, I think it's probably worth giving it a try. And I have the feeling the way people are behaving, that shouldn't go too badly. I mean, all fingers crossed. Hopefully. Yeah. For everyone's sake. Do you want to go back to work? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and other than that, I mean, considering work, I'm just uh, also while I'm I'm hiking, I'm I'm writing articles, you know, and I'm always trying to, like, when I was in Geneva, I I was lucky to get to know some of the local artists there and and uh, dance choreographer uh, Guillermo Botelho. There's a really interesting article about him in in Theater Art Life now and. He does contemporary dance and he's quite fantastic. And I never heard of him before, but apparently he's very well known because then the dancer I met the other day, she knew him and she was like, oh, yes, I know him. And I, I almost worked for him at one point, you know, and, and so here in, in Montpellier, I hope to do the same. And I hope to interview people, maybe be able to talk with theater directors or events producers while I'm here this month and see what they have to say, you know, like to the situation and what their plans are. And one thing actually that I've also started doing, but it's a very big work in progress. As I walk through villages and towns, I'm always trying to find the theaters and then I've started to photograph them. So I want to do like a photo series of all the closed venues now during COVID-19. Yeah, I don't know what will happen with that, but uh, yeah, just kind of working on, on several things. Yeah, keeping the little creative need active. Yeah, and keeping my heart close to uh, theater and shows as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how in Mexico we say, with this idea of yours of taking pictures of closed venues, um, I felt what we say is ponerle limón a la herida, which is adding lime to an open wound. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> which both hurts, but in theory cleans yes. it and makes it heal faster. So. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking more in the, well, in a very indirect way of the Tibetan tradition of keeping a full glass of butter tea on the windowsill when somebody leaves so that when that person returns, then they'll immediately be back home again. Oh, that's nice. So I kind of feel if I keep photographing theaters and honor them, you know, like in, like in their presence and existence, that then they'll open sooner. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I like your theory better. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's also... Theaters are usually very beautiful venues with a lot of history and a cultural... Um, heritage. Yeah, I even came in Arles. I walked through, um, it's a Roman Colosseum, just a small one. And uh, they usually do shows in there and theater and 
and concerts and it really looks like the small sister of the one in Rome. Very beautiful. <laughs> yeah, French are very good at doing mapping on the Roman structures, buildings. Yeah. Yeah. And they do very cool historical things and I don't know how it happens these days, if it happens. They used to have very cool stuff. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. I'm curious if like now, you know, as I keep going, if things are going to open up along the way, I'll definitely keep a close eye out and see, you know, what I, yeah, what I can find. That's exciting. And what about Step for Circus? Do you have any updates? Yeah, um, Step for Circus, we are like, basically what we're doing at the moment is we're working on defining it better. I mean, definitely something for the circus community as a whole, you know, not because when we first started out, we were thinking of especially smaller, like supporting smaller social circus groups. And and now with COVID-19, it's just really the whole circus community is out of work. So it's basically, yeah, social circus for everybody, you know. What we're working on at the moment is we are working on an outline for grant proposals and we're working on formulating everything better. So, and we, we've we're almost done with a web page that we're op- gonna open up soon. And um, then we want to really start uh, advertising it a lot more, so that people can start sending us applications for what projects they would like to do, for example. And in the future, where that we could uh, hopefully support. Or, you know, like if they want to support another project, if maybe we could send somebody there as a coach. And then we will also try a lot more to organize small events, maybe in some bigger places, organize small hikes for fundraising so that our GoFundMe page can slowly, slowly get a little bit more money. And then... Our idea is when we hit the first threshold of 10,000 US dollars, then we want to start actively employing people and either, you know, either then financially support a specific little circus project, an independent circus project, so that several people will, will have a chance for employment or help financially to send somebody as a coach somewhere. So yeah, in, we are very close to getting started with that. That's exciting. I like how it's growing and it's getting strong. Yeah, we're also we're getting more and more followers on Instagram, and our our Facebook group is growing. So that is very nice as well. You know, it's at the moment it's all about getting the word out, and then slowly, slowly, if more people you know participate, use the hashtag, maybe organize little events and try to fundraise for it. I think once that get, that ball gets rolling, then actually a, a lot is possible. And my dream would be that this is something, even though it gets started now to a large part due to the situation with COVID-19, it would be wonderful if this could become a foundation that we establish and that works internationally and hopefully for many, many years. Yeah, I'm sure you will. You should keep it that way. I like it. Yeah. Let's grow it. Yeah. And what uh, what articles have you, or you've been working on some articles and interviews from this last month for the next month in Montpellier? Yeah, I have uh, two articles coming up about the artistic director who I just stayed with, uh, Maggie Sietzma, one about her life and 
One that I find very interested about where she talks about transferable skills. For her, it was like going from being a ballet dancer to artistic direction, company management, choreography, and and just in general as well in this, these times, you know, like if you want to go from a theater position to a management position, maybe in a different company, that there are so many skills that artists often have that they're unaware of. So that is something uh, that will probably come out next week. And then uh, I was working on an article about Augusto Boal, which uh, was just published as well. He was the founder of the uh, Theatre of the Oppressed, really interesting Brazilian director who uh, was a big political activist. He also was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. And for him, it was really, theatre was all about expression and about, you know, highlighting social injustice and giving people a voice who otherwise wouldn't have one. So, yeah, that is one that I did. And then a little while back, um, when I was still closer to Switzerland, I managed to interview somebody who works for the Zurich Film Festival, which I find also quite positive, even though still restricted conditions, they will go ahead this year. And the festival will take place almost exactly the way it's always taken place. Just, of course, with additional precautions, but they'll have all the international, well, almost all the international guests. I think the American guests won't be able to come, but they will go ahead. They will have all the awards ceremonies and everything, you know. So that's, I thought that was really great that a big event is still taking place like that. Yeah, I'm excited to see that some things are being able to stay like that. Or, I mean, I know it's not live entertainment related, but it's still live entertainment, like the Tour de France that we were talking about. That's amazing, yeah. So we, we still have all these events to, on the one side, keep people active and give them a little bit of hope, but also give us hope that we will be able to go back to work soon. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we really do need the arts. I was, just when Le Rêve, closed i was talking with one artist who's worked in las vegas for different shows for a long time and she said to her it's sometimes so sad she feels by losing the shows it's almost almost as if humanity is losing its soul i agree me too i agree fully and i think we just we cannot live without our soul you know i think there's just no other way that the performing arts and the arts they just have to come back in some way or another because we need it. Yep, we do as a, yes, as humankind. Yeah. Well, Liam, thank you for sharing with us today and uh, updating us on your experiences and travels and adventures and keeping those hopes high, helping us keep hope high because in my side of the world, there's not much happening. So at least to hear that something is happening somewhere, it's very refreshing and it does give hope yeah i hope soon little little things will start happening everywhere i think you know and then bigger and bigger and bigger and <laughs> we'll get there <laughs> we'll get there <laughs> yes let's let's hope we'll be ready for the olympics next year and then the football championship with big events the year after and then yeah. back to to normal yeah. A better normal. I want a better normal. I want yeah, better work too. conditions. I want more human side of things working. But I, yeah. I want to 
go back to a better normal. It's definitely a chance to to look at some things the way we've done them and maybe do them a little bit better this time around. Yeah. Let's start on a blank page with the experience we already have. Yeah. We'll see you in the next update with more articles, adventures and, and everything. <laughs> Thank you very much. See you soon. write our review on our podcast whatever you listen to your podcast and let your friends know about us you can learn more about theater art live by visiting our website at www.theaterartlive.com and you can also follow us on social media and leave your questions and comments on facebook instagram linkedin pinterest twitter or youtube we want to thank david sire for composing the music for our podcast and michelle Spirata, who is our sound engineer We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life Podcast, where we put the spotlight on those who create life entertainment around the world.